Hey everyone, welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 49. Uh, today we had the unique pleasure of interviewing Ram Rodriguez. Uh, he's a third generation owner of El Artista. Uh, these guys are the ones responsible for creating the David Ortiz Big Poppy cigar um, that is hugely familiar in the United States. Um, this is a fantastic interview. Um, we were definitely excited to have him on. Um, just a few housekeeping things. One, and always, um, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. And also, we have our Facebook Cigar Faction group that is now up and running. So please feel free to join that. It is the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction on Facebook. And with that, we'll get into the interview. You only have a couple of months. Yeah. A lot of to do. We don't, you know, like, I don't go to the beach every weekend or anything like that. I go maybe once or twice a month. Right. And it's not not even that far. I just, I live like an hour away from the coast. But... Oh, I was going to say, how far away are you? But yeah, that's <laughs> close. An hour is really close. It is very close. Yeah. But a very easy drive, too. See, we drive thousands of miles to enjoy the beach. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah so, so where we're at is obviously right next to pennsylvania so i mean yep. f- from a temperature perspective it's it's very it's very similar other than during the spring and summertime it's not uncommon for us to get tornadoes here which don't ever make its way into pennsylvania really but minus that it's like it's pretty much very very similar yeah. so you know it's 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 nice to have the seasons but um, when you, when you're here long enough or in the winter time, when you're, you know, exposed to with wind chill minus 30 degrees, um, 87 and sunny in the Dominican Republic sounds much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you gotta agree with you on that. Well, you know, there's no perfect weather for what I can no. see. We have the hurricanes here. Yeah. Summertime is a serious stuff here, you know, like 95 to 105. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's hot. Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, hot and also really humid, right? It's not just hot, but it's, like, hot and sticky. I mean, or, exactly. At least where I, where I live, I live uh, in a valley, so hu- humidity is actually pretty good. You're long here uh, from 50 to 70, 75. Uh-huh. Uh, you're long, kind of, you know? Like, obviously, when it's raining, it gets really humid. Yeah. But, but it's not that bad. Like, we don't get, like... Super uncomfortable humidity here. On the coast, it's a different story. I, like Santo Domingo, the main city here, that's horrible. You know, like yeah. all the traffic plus humidity. That's I don't know how people can live there. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, that's one thing for me that I find challenging, especially when we go to Florida, is that the humidity is so overwhelming. And it's not. I guess oh, it's yeah. not so bad when you're right on the beach if you decide to be at the beach. But anywhere in, it seems like inland, ten, fifteen miles, you're just dealing with humidity. Yeah, you go out of your house, you just take a shower, go right away out, and you're sweating. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So it's not. It's not necessarily like that where you're at, right? Because you're in a valley. So you get uh, you get a little bit more comfort. Yeah, we get a lot of comfort actually. You know, like sixty is perfect, and it's perfect for the tobacco too. So I can't complain about that. Yeah, it sounds nice. <laughs> it actually sounds like the <laughs> for me the perfect spot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, 
you, I, obviously we did our research and just trying to get a better understanding of your organization as a whole. How long has your family been involved in cigars? Uh, a long time, actually. My grandfather founded the company in the 1956. Uh, before that, he used to be a cigar maker for a, for a factory here. Uh, it used to be a Tabacos Lisey, I think it was the name. Mm. Uh, in the 1956, he uh, decided to, to join venture with, with one of his old friends. And they opened what used to be called a Tabacalera Puros Cibao. Uh, the, his friend only spent with him uh, like like two or three years, and then he, he decided. Sorry for that. You cool. He no decided uh, not to work in the cigar industry anymore, and so my grandfather took control of the whole operations. Oh, nice. uh, yes. Uh, after that, my when my father was growing, he grew just like me, kind of. You know, like around the factory most of the time. Actually, my father used to live right in, 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 at the back of the warehouse where the factory was at. Mm-hmm. So he kind of grew there. Uh, in the 80s, my grandfather passed away and my father took control of all the, the, all the operations. Back then, we were selling uh, in the whole island, basically, mm-hmm. and doing some tobacco trading uh, as well. But our main business uh, back then was uh, cigar making for, for, for the locals. Okay. Now, in the 80s, it was actually extremely popular. In the 90s, uh, things changed a little bit. Beginning in the 90s, the cigars were not popular at all in the, in the island. So sales uh, decreased a lot. But then it became very popular in the States. And uh, we jumped there, you know, we took yeah. the chance of the cigar boom. And... Uh, here we are. Uh, in, after the cigar boom, my father started focusing a little bit in, in the European market as well. Uh, he opened a, an office in Madrid, Spain. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, we had it for, for about five years. Uh, then with, the, with all the European regulations, we, we had to, to, to close it and just concentrate in the U.S. market, which, which was growing a lot as well. And right now, uh, I handle the. Well, actually, I, I started like working full time in the company in two thousand in twenty twelve, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I decided to open a a warehouse in in, in Miami to uh, make business directly and handle all the logistics part of the business that nobody likes and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> And other than that, uh, right now we have a, a, a partnership in, in Italy. Uh, it's a, like, a, like a joint venture a, a based in Milan, where uh, we distribute our products for, for Italy. Uh, and we have distributors uh, in other countries, such as uh, Germany, uh, Switzerland, Norway, and Russia and Asia. So if there was one of those places that perhaps is a, a country where you would consider your best-selling country or where you have the most opportunity, out of all those ones you named, where, where do you see most of your opportunity coming from? United States, my friend, all the way. Um, awesome. It, it is around the 85% of, of, this, of the cigar sales of the company. Uh, 
on a very far second place, I'll say it's probably Germany and Italy. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but but the United States is is the number one for us. Yeah, very cool. America. <laughs> yeah, America. <laughs> we like hearing. Well, we, I know as as a country, like you said, the cigar boom back in the '90s. You know, for us, it. it you don't really feel much of a throttle down. You see, you see the space starting to expand, right? You see, I think we see more companies who are wanting to to get in on everything, especially even today. Um, but you know, it's been a it's been a great thing for the United States over the course of twenty twenty five years. But hopefully, it's also been good and fruitful for you guys as well. It is. It it really is. I was actually uh, talking to the mayor of of my small town. I actually. I live in a small town. Well, my family lives in a small town nearby Santiago, mm-hmm. which is the second city of of, uh, of the of the country. And I was actually talking to to him about the impact of the tobacco industry uh, in the economy of, of of our town. And it's amazing, you know, like uh, the amount of people that 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 is able to to feed their families thanks to the tobacco and. Uh, the proud all all of us show uh, being as uh, you know like like for the tobacco. Yeah, uh, yeah. feel very proud of our, of our town. Uh, it's kind of like a joke uh, when you're talking to to somebody that is not from there. Like, oh yes, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm from Tobacco City, the cigar capital of the world. <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. We actually made a billboard like a huge one in. A very beautiful one in, in, in the entrance of the of the of the city uh, that says that is the the cigar capital of the world. Very cool. Yeah, that that's yeah. something to be proud of. For Complete sure. opposite oh, yeah. here. I mean, we don't <laughs> choose to even like know our neighbors' names, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> no one's proud of anyone. We don't participate in any like city activities. <laughs> like, like, but it's awesome to hear that. I mean, like. I honestly wish our communities here in, in the states were probably that close, like niche group. But like anymore, it's like not like that anymore. Yeah, not yeah, really I know, here. I know. And unfortunately, here it's kind of you know it's globalizing every every time a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of living behind those kind of things. But but I think you know that that makes us very very special. Yeah, for uh, sure. For us, you know, we do uh, all we can in order to to keep that. Uh, we do like an event. Uh, uh, every year, uh, during we have a, an activity we call the Fiestas Patronales. Uh, it's a long story about the history behind Fiestas Patronales, but like every town has a saint, and any part, uh, one particular day of the year we celebrate in, in the town our our saint. Uh, we do like parallel to that. A lot of uh, uh, expats come to the to the town uh, from the states and from different towns of, of the Dominica to celebrate and we are doing like a little uh, uh, town fair you know with, with the cigar makers yeah uh, which is pretty cool you that know like cool. I get to share with all the cigar uh, uh, you know the people that actually make the cigars you know and, and some of the the, the the brand owners as well so so it's, it's, it's pretty cool thing you know yeah it's nice to see that there's not only a sense of that community but a lot of it is an homage to something that is very historical so it's cool it's it's almost preserving um you know the premium tobacco piece of it the cigar piece of it yes uh, and at the same time it's too sad to see how some people just don't get that you know right uh that uh, 
some organizations that just want to destroy it without even taking a look of, of from where the cigars come from, you know, and, um, and the story behind it. Right. And I, and I want to go, so, um, before we do so, I do want to go down that path of the United States FDA regulatory process and how it could potentially affect your guys's business and your thoughts on that. But before I do so, I think it's advantageous for our listeners to understand really how young you are. Um, this, this business has been in your family for a long time. And when I hear, you know, earlier when you're saying, you know, um, getting everything from my father, it's like part of me in my head, if I didn't otherwise know, it'd be like, all right, well, this father's 85 years old. He's in his fifties or sixties, but that's not the case. You are still in your twenties, correct? Yeah. I'm 27 years old. That's my father is probably 58 or something like that. That's wild, my friend. That's yeah. wild. And and the reason it is is uh, so Chris and I are, are are relatively young, right? Um I'm not 27 years old anymore, so good for you, but I I'm I'm not too far above that at 30, the ripe age of 30 and Chris is 32. Okay. So as a whole, we're we're fairly young, but but for me and and I think about, you know, things that I've done in my life and the successes I've had and where I I'm at from an employment perspective and a career perspective. And then I think about what you're doing and it seems like a ridiculous amount of responsibility for 27 years old. So how did you acclimate yourself to the business? Well, uh, honestly, even myself, sometimes I think like, like, how the hell did I get in, in all this, you know? Uh, <laughs> for me, you know, when I was a little kid, the truth is that I, I, I hate tobacco. I was like, no, I'm, I don't, I don't want to deal with tobacco, you know? Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was probably when I was like eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in, in, in my father used to teach me, like you know, like men have to work, and and, and it's very important. Uh, he made me after my homework. He made me go to the factory when I was like a teenager. Uh, before that, I used to go just basically to play with my cousin in the tobacco bales. Uh, uh, then when I, w- I started college, you know, like uh, it was when I went to my first IPCPR, actually, I was 18 years old and I didn't knew anything uh, like, you know, I-, I just knew what happened in the factory. Mm-hmm. And at some point we packed the cigars and put it inside a truck and that's it. I didn't know what happened after that. Uh, in that IPCPR, I was in Las Vegas. I think 2007, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like seriously? So so, so this is what happened after we put those cigars uh, on a box and ship it. Uh, I realized how much of a big culture uh, there is and uh, how like the cigar smoker, like you can actually tell uh, if you're in the street and see somebody and you kind of, can tell if he, whether he smokes cigars or not, mm-hmm. because we are all kind of alike. You know, we, we are storytellers. Uh, we enjoy having conversation. Uh, we enjoy discovering new cigars. So for me, that that was like a big shot uh, to realize uh, how how big was uh, the, the 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 cigar industry, and I fell in love. After that, when I was like 23, I 22, 23, I opened the the company in in Miami, and I was full time in the in the cigar industry, and trying to learn uh, uh, from from all our customers of what to do and how to be successful in in the in, in the industry. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So at the age of twenty three, 
I think I was trying to just figure out something that I enjoyed to do. Um, and, and for you to have not, I mean, knowing what you want to do at that point, but then also being able to firmly implant yourself in the business, that's pretty incredible at a very young yeah. age. It really is. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a very lucky man and I feel very grateful uh, uh, because uh, of, of, of my family, well, what all my family have known in order for us to be here. And, and it's beautiful, you know, I'm, and I want to die in the, in the cigar industry. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so, so I was thinking about this um, about two weeks ago, and one of the things that maybe I'm hoping there's some derived similarities between perhaps the way Chris and I think and the way you think about the industry and, and where you want it to go. But I was thinking about you know one of the reasons that we do this podcast is that we're really trying to kind of bring in and acclimate a new generation of sm- cigar smokers. Um, especially into the United States, but when then we found out our reach is much further uh, beyond that. Um, but, you know, I think there's always this relation of the way, let's just say, the public in general understands cigar smoking to be, and that's, it's an older guy, it's people with money, it's guys with nice watches, and so on and so forth. These are the guys that smoke cigars, and, and I can say that Chris and I definitely are not those people. Mm. Um, you know, nine times out of ten during, during any time in the week, I pretty much look homeless. Um, <laughs> no, no one could figure I could afford a cigar. Um, but really for us, trying to bring more people into the fold, you're a young guy. Where do you see the cigar industry being and let's say the next 10, 15 years, and, and even more importantly, where do you want to see it? Where do you want it to go? Well, uh, in the U.S., uh, mainly, uh, I see the, the millennials uh, are not so interested in, 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 the, in the cigar industry, unfortunately. Only like a small percentage in, in some particular areas of the U.S. I have seen a lot of young people actually uh, getting a lot of interest in the in the industry mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I, I believe you know like uh, this is something that that is, that is never gonna end um, uh, the people who, who gets into into cigar smoke or smoking uh, keeps smoking cigars the, the, the whole life you know right. uh, I've seen a lot of people that, that, that come from cigarette smoking to, to cigar smoking um they realize uh, like, like this is actually not like a bad habit this is like a very good hobby actually yeah. right so uh, eventually I know things are gonna be uh, gonna change and uh, there's gonna be a, a, a lot of interest from 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 the the, the people that is growing right now uh, in the tobacco uh, and it's really weird because like here in the Dominican millennials are the ones that are consuming most of the premium cigars in the island interesting uh, yes and I see that in, in, in some other countries as well which is which is you know uh, very interesting to see like how different every every market is so there, there's always a market you know uh, regardless of regulations and, and changes you know you just need to uh, keep working and and tr- and try to 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 take a, 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 any opportunity and be aware of all the threats out there. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. 
Yeah, and, and as you were saying that, you um, obviously being in the millennial generation as we are and as you are, um, maybe in the United States they're being of a bit of disinterest, and I, I don't disagree with that. And that's that's one of the things Chris and I are, you know, even on a smaller platform trying to reverse as far as the understanding of what it is, the historics, the culture, the society around it as a whole. And as the United States, like, we have to deal with this whole, like, cigarette thing. Yeah. Where there's a crazy stigma around the effects uh, health implications on tobacco, but the reality is, is cigars <laughs> literally yeah, different from like, cigarettes. Yeah, sure. it's yeah. yeah we, we, we fight that stigma all the time. And as, and I think as, um, you know, people with more access to quick media, internet influence and so on, don't take the time to understand and research. So we do battle that, but, but in addition to that, with the younger generation, I feel, you know, here in the United States, they're spending more of their time protesting people eating meat than they are, you know, actually enjoying their lives. Um, I don't. <laughs> so, so from, from your perspective, um, those inherent challenges in the United States, and, and I know you said um, within what you stated, you just, you've got to keep working, but are there some progressive tactics that you're looking to put into place? Or are you really just trying to drive forward um, much how it's been done for hundreds of years? Uh, well, yes, you know, uh, you you all, always need to have some tactics uh, uh, to make sure uh, you're going the right way. Right now, uh, what we're doing, like for 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 this year, we're gonna be uh, reintroducing some some products uh, pre, uh, pre with predicate blends. Okay. And as a company, we are focusing a lot in in, in some other parts of of, of the industry. Including the the European market, which is growing a lot, and uh, we uh, we I also uh, run a, a logistic company uh, that that service uh, probably like fifteen or twenty different cigar factories mm-hmm. uh, here in the Dominican Republic, and we consolidate and ship products to uh, their products to to the U.S. and other countries. So yes, I mean uh, my strategy is. Uh, Keep fighting and working hard with, with, with all the FDAs and try to make sure uh, we fill all the forms we have to fill mm-hmm. and, um, and we do whatever we have to do uh, in order to, to comply with them. And at the same time, uh, working very hard on, on the other businesses. And for example, see, uh, uh, tobacco trading, that's actually uh, where we have been growing the most in the last 10 years. Okay. Explain that process as far as trading. You're you're talking about trading specifically tobacco for tobacco from other countries. Is that correct? Uh, I usually refer to tobacco trading. Yes and, and no because uh, like we don't know, like we sell uh, tobacco. We buy we buy and sell tobacco uh, uh, from most of the most important uh, tobacco regions of the world. Right. Uh, we import about six. Uh, like like 16 containers of tobacco from Indonesia every year. Okay. Uh, we do a couple of, of containers from Cameroon, Brazil, uh, Peru, Costa Rica, Panama, Nicaragua, Honduras, and nice. the U.S. And we grow our own tobacco as well uh, here in the Dominican, and we have our own farms in Ecuador as well. Very cool. Yeah. So so you're you've got access to some of the the more, uh, I would say robust regions like Nicaragua, but then even some in there, which always intrigued me, like Peru and yeah. Costa Rica, you mentioned Cameroon, obviously over in Africa. Um, but what, you know, as far as taking blends 
from or or grabbing blends from other countries which ones are your favorite to work with or i guess which ones are you most interested in which regions of the country of actually working with their tobaccos that's a very tough question uh, <laughs> that's why i asked you it. Know, the, yeah, yeah and it all depends what you're looking for you know sure. like uh i have so many good things about uh, to tell you about different tobaccos from from different parts of the country but uh, a very particular tobacco uh, that I'm kind of, I kind of in love with right now uh, is a tobacco I grow, uh, a tobacco we, we get in, in Colombia. It's called Cubita. Okay. It's, it's amazing. You know, I cannot even explain. Uh, I'm actually, I'm working with some samples uh, for, uh, for the next produce, production, cigar production we're going to make for, awesome. for the brown well, this now, year. Well, now I'm we're intrigued. Sure, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to make sure I'll send you guys some. Oh, perfect. Right. Perfect. Uh, we love it's, that. It's, for me, it's like smoking a bottle of Chanel number five. Oh, uh, okay. It doesn't give you a lot of taste, but the aroma uh, is, is so unique that it's just amazing. Oh, that's very cool. Now, yeah, you've caught my attention, dare I say. <laughs> which is very cool um so i i want to um maybe add a little bit more you provided some context as far as being compliant with the fda regulations and so on but even deeper and more detail how do you feel like you guys are going to be affected by that um both with obviously i think there's some uh import obviously limitations in the United States, part of that regulatory process, but two, as far as the retailers that you sell to, you know, what, what challenges do you see getting your product into retail, if any? Uh, well, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, the first one we, we got was a, after I was eight last year, or 2017, 16, was it? 2000, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Part of of, uh, of our service, like we are highly known in the industry because we are very aggressive with our lip type. Um, for us, it's very important. Like when we get an order for private label, uh, it's, it's like 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 a shooting for a race. You know, like like we have to deliver within two weeks, within three weeks. It it, it all depends. Sure. Uh, right now, things are not like that anymore because uh, uh, now there's this user fee that increase the price of the cigar tax-wise mm -hmm. and we have to be very careful with adding more money for for the shipping like freight costs and other than that like for example i had i had this event that i needed a like six thousand cigars in in miami i sent the cigars a uh, 10 days before the event i got it the day of the event because wow. they have some with the, the FDA office and uh, they, the uh, U.S. Customs didn't have the release papers from the FDA yet. So, like, those kind of things uh, are becoming harder and harder to deal with. Uh, in Another thing that is happening now, like, for example, I have, a, like, three months uh, working with, with almost all my, my U.S. customers for the warning. I need to make sure I have all the warning plans. Mm -hmm. uh, on my hand for other products and that I'm complying with that warning plan. And me as a manufacturer, the problem is, it's not like just one warning plan for everything. Like, okay, a, a Corey, you have a Corey cigars and according to the, the warning plan that you already got approved from FDA, you have to, to a, put a warning a, and change it once a week. And it's okay, but uh, any other people, 
uh, that also have a cigar, he actually needs to mix all the, 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 the warnings on the same shipment. So right. it's completely different. And the size of the warning is different to the one you have. So so there are just lots of, of stuff that we need to take care of. Um, we're talking about a factory that has around uh, almost 2,000 SQUs. So it's, it's been crazy, you know. Uh, my operator manager, a couple of days ago, I, I asked him, like, hey, dude, how you doing? <laughs> get, get that guy more coffee. He's going to need it. Oh, man. That guy wanted to kill me, you know. Like, I, I cannot, I'm not even going to say the words that guy t- told me, you know. It was something about my mother. You know, I need a vacation. Yeah, that that guy's on overload, it sounds like, and I could only imagine. (laughs) Well, I will say leave it to the United States government to complicate things and also slow things down uh, across the board at the federal level, state level, and local level. That remains true. So (laughs) that's very common. So, like, um, you know, one of the things uh, when I'm going to use his code name because I'm going to, I think it's better. Mr. K reached out, and uh, when he was talking about El Artista, you know, one of the first things we were trying to determine was like, okay, well, who's El Artista, and have we had their brands before? And for us, it was kind of surprisingly, it, it was it was kind of a hidden gem for us. We're like, ooh. a new brand. Oh my god, they have their own farm, and it's yeah. like then we were like super intrigued. It's like, okay, well. Why, what, you know, are we seeing other people with these sticks online and on Instagram and social media? So we're like hunting down folks who've had El Artista sticks. And it wasn't until honestly pretty recently we started to see more and more El Artistas. And yeah, I, and I don't know if it's because we went searching for it and now there was an awareness well, or we just were kind of unaware. Maybe we've seen the brand, we've seen yeah, some so of like, the sub brands in so the, the past. So the question is, is like, how many, um, rough ballpark. How many brands does the El Artista cigar manufacturing farms actually support in the U.S.? Because I'm really curious. I mean, you've got the brands that are on the on the site, uh, you know, like the Polita, the Big Poppy, and so on yeah. and so forth. But, you know, I know you do a lot of, like, celebrity brands and things like that. We've seen a couple of those. Like, so how many, how many brands do you guys represent as an actual manufacturer? Uh, it's a tough question. Um, everybody, I- I'm actually going to need to start counting them but, uh, <laughs> yeah but as i told you we have around 2000 squs mm-hmm. uh i'll say we are anywhere from 250 to 400 brands oh wow that's okay. incredible that is awesome yeah that's that's very cool and i don't think it's uh, necessarily uncommon to see obviously there's i know a lot of people don't understand but when we talk about we use the umbrella of cigar manufacturer some of these people aren't truly like in your instance manufacturing the tobacco right they're sourcing tobacco they're getting it from brokers and then they're creating a cigar to sell um, we use the term manufacturer to describe what it, what I dare say is more of a blanket kind of umbrella representation as opposed to the true definition. But um, yeah. it's obviously not uncommon to see other brands that are just sourcing tobacco. But what kind of advantage does it serve for you guys being able to actually grow and produce tobacco? Uh, like you mean that the tobacco side uh, with the manufacturing, right? So it's from, is there a cost perspective in there that gives you a bit of an advantage? Um, oh, I, yes. I, like you mentioned the trading piece of it before, I, I'm assuming gives you a large advantage. Yeah. Uh, we are highly known for, for our customer because, uh, when, uh, when we get a price, like, like, like we commit to a price, it doesn't change that much. 
that much unless uh, at least you know i can guarantee for at least three years that price if we have like the the the, the right forecast of the of the product uh yeah, and it's because the amount of tobacco we handle uh, uh we, we every now and then we have uh, such a very bad crops uh, because of of all the climate change in the country and and anywhere else and usually we don't even got affected to because of that because we usually work with a five-year inventory uh, sitting there and wait, waiting for us uh, i think that uh, the, the 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 fact that we can hold the, the cost of the production very low and and the fact that we are vertically integrated and, and we can handle all the process uh, those kinds of things really help a lot uh, and uh, make put us you know in a very good position with the with the customers right yeah so that's and and i i imagine um you know importantly at least it's very important to to chris and i and, and i know it is for a lot of people as far as the overall construction and quality of a cigar and i think to have control over that that process having a quality assurance having a quality control process um, I think sometimes is obviously going to serve as an advantage where some of these other guys who are brokering in tobacco really don't have that. They're, I think, trusting and relying on someone, hoping and praying that, hey, this is going to deliver and arrive and it's going to be manufactured in the way that it's intended. So yeah. I see that yeah, as that's a, correct. Yeah. Uh, for uh, me, I, I always tell people, like, it all depends what, what's your approach in the industry. If you want to grow big, you need, you need a, actually a very big company to support you, uh, support your growth. If you're just planning, you know, to make like a little private label to smoke with your friends and sell it regional, you can work with a small factory. You're not going to have any problem. But uh, the big problem with, 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 with uh, some of the factories that they don't handle the, their tobacco well enough is the consistency. Because mm -hmm. uh, right now they have a couple of tobacco bales uh, to make us to make your cigars. Uh, tomorrow he gets another order, but guess what? Get what? It, what he doesn't have the tobacco anymore he needs to go out there try to buy that tobacco which might be very hard because probably he's only gonna get one or two bells and the supplier already have a commitment with, with, with some bigger accounts that need that tobacco as well mm -hmm. and probably he's gonna need to change it you know and right. they, it's not gonna be the same cigar anymore right yeah and that's that's i think that's the part where you're like rolling the dice just hoping that you know, you get what was initially intended. I, I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of risk involved in that, right? I think having lack of control over that makes it, I think, makes it a, a, a much more difficult situation. At least it appears to be. It really does. It, it, it really does. And if it's not a company that has representation in the U.S., it's even more complicated because right. you can either fly to the Dominican and stay there for the whole packaging and production and make sure everything is doing is being done, done fine. You can, uh, or you know, just trusting that they're gonna do things right. And if you don't get these products as they are supposed to in the in the U.S., I mean, what you gonna do? You gonna ship it back after all the testing? <laughs> right. <laughs> we have done that before, actually. We uh, uh, with a with a batch of uh, for for a private label, and it took us around uh, ten months in order. To get partial amount of the SG we already paid on those cigars, and I get a very big audit for that. Man, jeez. So, yeah, it, it was not worth at all. I think you know. Uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like it is for sure. 
Um, I, I want to transition real quick, and um, this is directly related to which most Americans would know is probably one of the uh, biggest names in baseball, which is David Ortiz, Big Poppy, um, Red Sox legend, also is um, partnered with you guys to create the Big Poppy brand. How did that all come about? Oh well, uh, it happens because uh, we we had a long time being a part of his sponsor for a celebrity classic golf tournament he does uh, here in the Dominican. Uh, when we start uh, after the second year, uh, we were talking to him and he was like, "You know what? I, I actually enjoy cigars. Uh, why don't you guys make a cigar for me?" I was like, "Oh, sure. Why not?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we started blending with him uh, every now and then. We used to ship him some cigars for him to try. It was a very slow process, you know, because obviously this is not a, he was focusing in baseball and that's it, you know, and cigars was pretty sure like a weekend kind of thing. Right. And, you know, I used to get a phone calls from him like, oh, you know what? I, I, I don't like this one because it's too bitter. I don't like one because it's too peppery, whatever, whatever. And at the end, we finally got the blend he likes, which is the one that we are doing for him. Uh, we st- spent probably like two years uh, sending that cigar uh, uh, every now and then, just like a very simple band that says his name. Uh, and uh, we were shipping probably like 100 to 200 cigars every two or three months. And when he announced his retirement, you know, we, we, we knocked the door like, hey, David, you know, it's time to do something with this. You really like the cigar? We really like the cigar. And I think it has a lot of potential. And here we are, my friend. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a, that's a really cool story as far as it just like, you know, blending for somebody as, you know, I'm assuming large celebrity status in your area, but even a huge celebrity status as far as baseball goes in the United States and one of the most popular baseball names in history. Um, so the fact that you guys had a chance to link up and do this is really cool. And and I like the idea of, of you approaching him when you retire and like, Hey, do you want this to be, you know, a supplemental thing for your retirement? This could really help out. Um, good timing and good approach on your part. Oh yeah. And you know what? I was very lucky because we signed the, on his last spring training game, uh, right after we signed, uh, uh, we went to the to the ballpark in, in Fort Myers, and we went to see the game. And we and when we saw all these signs, people crying, you know, like "I love you, big puppy, we're gonna miss you." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god, I think this is gonna be huge." Yeah, that's gonna <laughs> definitely gonna be a popular endeavor. I don't, I'm not sure, other than maybe Yankees fans, that there's anybody in the United States that didn't like him <laughs> yeah. as a baseball player. <laughs> Um, well, you can hate Boston, but you gotta love it. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. That's true. You know those uh, those northeastern teams. I don't really have love for either one of them, so it makes no <laughs> mind to me. Um, so what what's the what's kind of the next progression for you guys? What what's the next step? Uh, well, for uh, for IPCPR, we're introducing uh, a new cigar. The one that I talked before is actually not new; mm-hmm. it's a rebrand of an existing uh, uh, line we used to to manufacture in the in the 90s uh, early 2000s okay uh the cigar is actually uh, gonna be available in three sizes 
um, two different blends. Uh, one Connecticut, a um, mild to medium cigar, and a uh, medium to full uh, San Andres Maduro. Oh, yeah. I'm actually uh, getting a third blend, but unfortunately, it's going to be only available in Europe. So you guys are going to need to travel in order to get Bummer. it. Bummer. We'll figure out a oh, freaking way. Oh, oh darn. <laughs> I've got to go to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I'll have my vacation scheduled for Italy next year, so hopefully it's there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I track it down. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so um, overall, obviously this has been a part of your family for, for generations. And cigar smoking, as we, as we alluded to earlier, as far as the historics around it, right, we really wish people knew more about it. It's, I've always kind of said, hey, if you want something that's like a for sure thing um, – the investment in cigars long term is probably a good one because they've been around for so long, right? There's other industries that have come and gone in less than 100 years. Um, this is something that has a lot of historics to it. And I think what you said, you know, no matter the migration from generation to generation, it's going to keep going. It's not oh, going to yeah. end, right? So um, how how do you want to see things shape up? And I kind of asked this earlier, but how do you want to see things shape up, um, not only just the United States, which represents a lot of your sales, but everywhere else in the world? You know, how, how do you want to see the progression long term? Uh, well, I want to see, a, 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 you know, more, more business out there. I want to see people showing that much a more interest in, in this beautiful tradition. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, a, the people, you know, that, hate the industry because they they are a lot of anti-tobacco right uh i would like to see that to for them to give it an opportunity and and to see the story behind you know or we are not a billion dollar corporation making money out of the the people in need uh we are not a any evil a people that want to kill the world or some crazy thing like that we are you know, a family that has a lot of values and tradition, and and this tradition is uh, around the tobacco, and we live out of it, uh, and thousands of of people in, in this country, in Indonesia, in Central America, in South America, live out of out of this, right. and and it's so beautiful, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I've got to ask this question. In the United States, there's a huge social aspect to cigar smoking, right? There's the reason brick-and-mortar stores and lounges exist because it, it does kind of have an inherent social aspect. Does that also reign true down in the Dominican Republic? Are there, are there spaces and lounges just like there is in the United States for people to go smoke and enjoy together? Uh, we have lounges, and now it's, it's becoming more and more popular in the last three years. Uh, they opened probably like four different cigar lounges just in my city. Oh, nice. Uh, which is not a big city, you know, it's like like 1.5 million people. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's, it's and you know, it's kind of the same all over the world. The only place that I've been that that I saw that cigar is not such like a you know like a, a socially thing to do is in Australia, but it's because of all their their and, and New Zealand, you know, all their heavy regulations over there. Yeah, uh, yeah, but. But in Europe, you know, it's kind of the same. You you go to the same mom and pop cigar shop uh, every now and then and sit down and talk to whoever is there. Enjoy a cigar and talk about politics, about sports, about whatever you like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it sounds like it, yeah, it sounds like it. it uh, that certainly does range true across the world. Here, we uh, literally get together in groups of six to eight and freeze our balls off around a campfire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll sit out. We'll sit outside in the the frigid cold. There's no shortage of that, especially here in Ohio. Um, one one of the things that I always say, Ram, is I I also I, well in the least the way I see cigar smoking is that. I I love the social aspect and the culture around cigar smoking as a whole, but I also love smoking in seclusion. Um, is that something that you like to do from time to time? Do you just like to be in your own space in your own head, smoking a cigar by yourself? I love doing that. I live in a in a, a in a two floor apartment, two story apartment, and there's a big patio on the upper level which I never go to. I have this balcony that when my wife sees me there. She doesn't even, you know, try to talk to me. You know, that, that's time, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I, I definitely love it. And honestly, that's usually when I get to appreciate a little bit more the cigars. You know, I can explore a little bit more on the taste and, uh, and, and the, the flavor profile of it. Yeah. Yeah, you sound like me. So there's um, – I've, I've got a nice back patio and enclosed one here for the brutal Ohio winners. Um, my, my fiance kind of knows not to disrupt my smoking time. She'll, she'll come in to ask me a question. Uh, and then she leaves me alone for an hour and a half, two hours. She knows that that's just, if a cigar is in hand, that's my time that I need for myself and to be in my own world and my own thoughts. So not even, not even my five-year-old son bothers me when I smoke a cigar outside. (laughs) He's, he just, I'll literally just grab a stick and be like, cigar time, daddy. I'm like, yeah. And he'll leave me alone. (laughs) Like he's like, yeah, but it is like, I, I, I'm the same. I love sitting by myself, even when it's cold. And it's just it's just nice because you can actually sp- spend a little bit more attention to the cigar, and you can kind of take your time with it. And it's quiet, it's serene, peaceful. It's awesome. I mean, that's that's probably how I spend eighty percent of my time smoking. It really. Hey Ram, do you do you participate in the United States? You mentioned uh, one of the events in Miami uh, where you were bringing in cigars for, but are you doing events for um, local tobacconist shops? Are are you directly involved in that? Do you have uh, a force in the United States that does that for you? Uh, we have a force, but every now and then I go to the street. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I I love it. You know, to meet new people in 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 different towns. Um, I don't do it as much as I used to do it before, unfortunately, because of all the work that I have here. But I try to do at least five or six events every year where I personally go. Yeah, and that's I think that's you know one of the things in the United States, um, obviously it's it's really huge is there's it seems like every tobacconist shop around us has always got an event with a manufacturer at it. And you know, for me, um, and I, I speak for Chris as well, is when we find out about manufacturers, we go and seek the information as opposed to just clubbing up at the local lounge and seeing who's in this week. Um, we're obviously, because of what we do, very aware of the manufacturers that exist in this space. Um, but it's a very popular thing, obviously, to see manufacturers come in and um, represent their product and have a discussion with people who are interested or maybe on the fence have never heard about your brand. Tell me a little bit more. Um, and it's it's different um, than other industries. And I really like how uh, there's always seems to be representation in shops and people are showing off their brands. I think that's something that I think we take for granted the internet and its ability to be powerful in marketing and advertising where some of those feet on the street type tactics aren't necessarily deployed as much anymore. But it seems like in the cigar industry, it's still really popular. 
It is. It, it, it really is. And uh, you guys can follow us in, in, in all of our social medias. And over there, uh, everybody can see where we're going to be at. Um, you know, we have make every now and then a, an event with David as well. Uh, he actually, he's a, uh, he really enjoys uh, the, the events he does. Unfortunately, he cannot do as many as he wants to. Uh, but when he does, is is you know, very good quality. And uh, he shows a lot of love to, to everybody that go and see him. And uh, for any event, uh, you guys can check on our website, elartistacigars.com. <coughs> Sorry. And the social media, El Artista Cigars, in Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah, that's and yeah, we I'm glad you said that now because we you were going we yeah. to mention that at the end. So this is <laughs> I was great timing. Um I do have so this is my last question for you. The business you have established many years ago has been and remained in your family. Do you want it to continue to remain in your family? I would love uh, for that to happen. Uh, when I got me and my wife are planning to have kids in about four years, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, like, not now, thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> Give yourself some time, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not in a rush. So uh, I'm going to try to do the same thing uh, my parents did to me. Uh, they were always very supportive, and uh, they were very open that, and always telling me that I can do uh, whatever I want. Uh, and and learn and and try to develop on on any profession. I'm going to try to do, uh, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, you know, kind of poking them, you know, like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Cigars. (laughs) (laughs) Sending subliminal messages and headphones, you know, listen to to songs on the radio. There's a subliminal message. It's like, stay in cigars. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like that too. And I know, I know a lot of parents have that answer with kids where it's like, you know, they may do or have a unique profession like you do. And it's like, wow, I really hope my kid grows up to be a gymnast. I'm going to be supportive no matter what, but you know, the parents thinking, please be a gymnast. Please, for the love oh, yeah. of God, be a gymnast. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that's that's funny. I like that. And, it, and and you know, for us, I think it would be cool to see it in the family. I know a lot of companies sometimes are intrigued and courted by other larger organizations, and you know who those are: General Tobacco, Altada, those guys who are yeah. consuming these smaller brands. But there's something to be said again, going back to the historics, seeing that tradition remain in a family and be family owned. Uh, I think that would be so cool. And I wish you see more of that, but I know sometimes dollar, dollar bills, you know, they speak words and some people are like, you know, it's too good of an opportunity to pass up. But again, there's something to be said for, you know, keeping that ownership and the quality control process and all that within an embedded family. (laughs) Well, this has been very, very awesome. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, I, you know, this, the whole Eastern standard time zone thing kind of freaks me out still a little bit. I don't know why I thought you guys were so much more West, but then I looked at a map today, like a dummy <laughs> and I was like, Oh, they're like right below us. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so th- yeah, obviously that worked out well, but we greatly appreciate your time and hope, uh, for you, nothing but success going forward. And we're excited to see some of these new releases come out, especially, uh, IPCPR time frame yeah <laughs> i want to see him thank you very much i actually have one question for you guys yeah well you've been asking me asking me it's my time now yeah it's fine go yeah, for it go for it 
Corey, Chris, when are you guys coming to the Dominican? Uh, <laughs> uh, how soon do you want us there? <laughs> well, tobacco season is almost over, but you guys still have time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, will, I will tell you this. Um, maybe I can... Um, Maybe I can convince my fiance we were actually planning our honeymoon and we're in the process right now and we are um, slated to go to Maui. We've been to Hawaii once, but we've never been to Maui. Um, so that's where we're going to go. So maybe I can convince her, even though she's been to the Dominican Republic and I haven't, maybe I can convince her, uh, let's just head down that way. You know, why go all the way to Hawaii? Take one day out of your honeymoon and I'll, I'll cook for you guys. Like I'll very romantic dinner. I'm a terrible cooker, and probably I just ordered out of the can I did myself. We'll take but, it. Actually, oh yeah. I would, I would humbly and happily accept that offer. And I'll hide in the carry-on bag. Chris will be in the suitcase, and uh, we'll just unravel his lifeless body when we get there. <laughs> Chris, you just wait for them, you know, to have all the romantic stuff in the factory. We'll be there smoking cigars. Okay, there you go. deal. Put, and put him to work, too. Oh, <laughs> I can put you to work, I, man. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Hey, this has been very, very awesome. Ram, thank you so much. We'll definitely be in touch. And again, all the success to you. We hope everything remains and going forward is uh, wonderful and profitable for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, it was very fun, and I really appreciate it for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, man, and have a wonderful weekend. See ya. All right. Same See ya, Ram. For you guys. Bye-bye. So how cool was that? Very cool. Like, uh, what a nice guy. And and guys, this was um, uh, his name. I don't even want to try to pronounce it because I'll butcher it. Um, but I actually nicknamed him, and I didn't say it in the episode. I nicknamed him Ramrod, which is so fitting for today for a couple reasons. One, it's four twenty, and two, Super Troopers two comes out, and I have tickets to go see it tonight. Oh, you're so lucky. Which I'm really excited about. But yeah, I um. I started calling him Ramrod, but didn't want to do it on the episode because I didn't, I, I, you know, you just don't know. I didn't want to be offensive. And if he never saw Super Troopers, how in the hell is he going to know who Farva is? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but what a nice dude. What a great guy. And it's really cool. I I definitely encourage everybody who's listening to this episode um, to go and do a little bit of research on El Artista and the sub brands that they have. You know, as Chris and I mentioned beginning of the episode, we've seen pictures and we've seen the yeah. cigars around but we didn't really know who we, was behind yeah. them right? we just thought they were individual brands right and... here's the david ortiz yeah. cigar the big poppy and we didn't really know much about it and it was kind of like ah you know like it, you know who's made and then really when we started to uncover and we're, we're going through these continued conversations and of course now we hear on the podcast we we found out a lot about this organization that is super unique and super rare in this industry right now. It's very cool. You don't get a chance a lot to talk to guys who own multiple farms and are really at the forefront of the process. And listen, like we didn't talk about it, but like we've had two of the, two of their cigars already in the past week. And I got to tell you, even though we'll have reviews coming up on the podcast of El Artista cigars, we didn't tell them that, but we're doing it. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, I'm telling you, the construction on their cigars is seriously top-notch. Yeah. Like, the Robustos that they had, um, uh, I mean, real thick, 
great Real thick wrapper, super, super dense, and and it goes back again, lending itself to the quality control process that's at the forefront, right? And we talked about people brokering tobacco, which sometimes you're rolling the dice as far as what you're going to get. You're hoping that who's responsible for picking and bailing and everything and 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 giving it to you, supporting that whole process, has done their due diligence. But when you're at the factory and production level, you have the control over that process, which I think is why the small subset of cigars that we've smoked of El Artista from a construction and quality standpoint are some of the best we've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, they're up there. They really are up there. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, we're, we'll figure out how to figure we'll figure out how to get these these guys to you sometime. I, somehow we'll figure it out. <laughs> but like, they, their cigars are legit, and uh, we're, we'll talk about price in the future episodes and the reviews. Right. But very affordable cigars. <laughs> like I, that's what I'm saying. I'm so surprised because as much as I've been in and looked at cigars online and and. You know, whether it's on social media or on a retailer or going into a local tobacconist shop, I've I've never seen their brands or not at least acknowledged or yeah looked into looked over it, right. You probably or, saw the big poppy in a store before, but, just but then you're just like, it. yeah, yeah. Right, so who does that? So it was like super surprising for us to kind of like get that introduction and to kind of meet the the manufacturer behind it all. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, first talks with a farm. This is. This is history making. This is history making. <laughs> only here, folks. Only here. <laughs> only only us get to talk to the manufacturers and the farms. <laughs> we just went deep. We went to the deeper level. Um, so anyway, hey, we're right at about an hour. Do we have questions this week? Oh, we have more questions. Oh my god, I didn't even think. Did we? Add, we didn't ask questions for this week, so we just no, may have way I have, more questions. I literally have three weeks worth of questions. <laughs> All right, let's answer a couple. Is that time again? You know what time it is. That section we like to call, give me one hot minute. Which usually takes 15. Which takes 30. All right. Troy Wahlberger asks, what was the first cigar that you smoked, the one that got you intrigued to continue the lifestyle? First of all, that's a great question. I thought we answered it on this episode we, before. Uh, Did we? Not this episode. Not this episode. Uh, Definitely not this episode. But this but show. We, but this show. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we've we talked about like our first sticks. And you can you can actually learn a little bit about us on www.big6tobacco.co. Yeah, so we have uh, we have our embedded bios in the on the Big Six Tobacco website, which you can you can read with the first cigars. But but for mine, just for for answering yeah, the purposes yeah. of answering the question mm-hmm. was the CAO America. Um, and I was a CAO dick writer for about seven, yeah, seven years. Have you had that Brazil? Have you had the Colombia? Oh, I was like, I was smoking American? everything. CAO. even if I didn't really like it, I was committed to smoking everything CAO had. And it really kind of, it, it draws back to my first experience of cigar smoking, which was the America. And, and literally that very first experience is when I fell in love with cigars. Yeah. It wasn't a process long-term. It was like, Holy shit, I really like this a lot. Yeah. And then I just move forward. Yeah. Uh, Troy, um, I believe my first cigar is sl- a slight toss up because I smoked multiple cigars in one sitting, uh, all of them at, at the same time. Um, the f- it was either the first one was the Drew Estate Mint and Java. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's God. a lot of people's first. Yeah. That's the whore of the cigar industry. <laughs> it, I was one of those people. Yeah, uh, not uncommon. It was either that 
or it was the one I bought that day when I was like first committing. It's like buying your condoms for the first time you're walking around. You don't really know which ones you want to yeah. grab. And I don't know why I was always nervous. You, for that, you also don't want to be embarrassed if you pick the wrong one and the lady at the cashier laughs at you or smirks when she like sees what you picked. I didn't want that, but what I picked was a CAO OSA. Yeah. Green labeled one. That like bright green labeled one. Yeah. And general finally just put the Knicks on those. That actually ended up becoming one of my favorites. So that was the first one I bought. And the, but I believe the first one I smoked was the mint Java, but it was the same night as the Osa. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. Good question. Great question. Troy. Philip Williams asks when you purchase cigars online, how long do you let them rest in your humidor before smoking them? I think it's a great question. I it it is a good question. Um, I I will say this: I don't really have a great understanding of what the um whatever the maintenance level is in in a warehouse that stores cigars. Um, I don't know what process they go through. I don't know how long cigars typically sit on shelves before they're shipped. Um, I don't know that I necessarily let anything rest. I'm not opposed to just pulling one out and starting to smoke it. Um, I do like for things to get more acclimated to my humidor in terms of humidity. I do like that because Mm -hmm. mine is so controlled. Um, Again, you just don't know what you're getting from a distribution warehouse. You could simply be getting something that is um, not as humidified as it should be, over-humidified. I like my humidor to balance those things out, but I'm typically never turned off by grabbing hey, one and starting to smoke it. I got a real short and simple answer for you, Philip Williams. This is real simple. When you put that cigar in your humidor and that humidity level drops, wait for it to get back up to your preferred humidity. Yeah, that's true. So and if that's it's a simple, under, if, simple rest test. Right. If you if you if you see that you'll see that it's under humidified and you want to get it back to that natural balance yeah. around seventy. Yeah. So that's a good point, Chris. Yeah. So that's an easy answer. Right. But Corey's a scientific. <laughs> <laughs> uh next question. Let's do one more. Troy Wildberger asks again, Troy got We got two from Damn Troy. Damn it, how did I get two in here? Yeah, Troy's great with the questions. He is. I always like his multifaceted. Questions. Yeah. And by the way, so hold on, let me pause you real quick. Yeah. Do you so I thought it was hilarious and anybody who's in our cigar faction Facebook group, Philip, who actually is the one that asked the last question. Yeah. I really like him because I take these uh, I take ver- uh, like the same selfie of holding different yeah, cigars. Yeah. It's about the same thing, minus I may be wearing a hat, I may be turning With my face. With your electric blue eyeballs. My electric blue eyeballs, and then the bricks in the back. Um, I do that, and it's kind of my, like, I think everybody knows that's my standard selfie. So Philip decided <laughs> yeah, to do literally the, 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 literally the It looks like he's in the same spot I am. It's like the brick background. Use the same filters I use the whole thing. And he's like doing my best impression of Corey Allen. <laughs> and it was so good. I was like, dude, fucking nailed it. So now Philip and I have a little joke back and forth um, doing that, which I'm just going to continue doing. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a selfie battle. Troy, damn you. Your questions, which I love. I love all of them. Uh, Last question. What was the most cigars you smoked in a day? Um, Question mark if that didn't sound like a question. um, The most I've ever smoked, which I've done hundreds of times, is three. I always limit myself to three. And I know Chris has smoked more than that in a day. But I think 
even if I'm smoking one early in the morning, mid-afternoon, and night, three just seems to be like the limit. I think your taste buds can only handle so much. The rules of three, man. The the, the nicotine uh, impact, your body can only tolerate so much. And then there's a point of diminishing returns as far as the flavor and experience. Uh, it gets to the point where... You know, as much as I love to smoke, it gets nauseating after a while. So erectile dysfunction, bloated ankles. Yep, I like severe IBS, slight runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it seems to be that there's there's a point where you're just not getting anything great out of it if you if you're just doing it too much. Temporary you're blindness, saturating your face with yeah. tobacco smell. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, my answer is four. I've gotten up to four. I chose not to smoke more than that. But just to give you a little fun fact. I've smoked really, really strong cigars back-to-back and became vomit-inducing. On multiple occasions, I've done this. It's like I can't learn like I'm a 21-year-old who's like, let's go out and drink. And yeah. you get shit-faced. You're like, man, I'm not doing this again. But you're doing it next Friday. Yeah, I'm that type of person. Um, but for, I, I believe at the point of four, my taste buds were burnt out. Right. Like, I was burnt out. You can't even really decipher anymore what you're yeah, smoking. Yeah, and I did it in one night. So it wasn't like a, like an all-day thing. Right. I literally just burnt out my entire taste buds and flavor for, like, in a, I would say it was like a six-hour span. I yeah, smoked that's four. a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Try, try not to do that ever again. Don't do that's that. That's really just, like, one after another. Yeah, it was. It was literally one after another. Thankfully, I didn't vomit on that occasion. Yeah, but I have vomited on just two very strong cigars. Yeah, I've never. Um, I'm I'm happy to report I've never vomited from cigar smoking, even though it's not uncommon for people to to up chuck a little bit when they're smoking. Yeah, yeah, it it's not fun. It happens to the best of us. You get them weird cold chills Except for me, and you get that like f- the sweats, but the cold chills. Yeah, and then you start to get woozy. You get the fucking poop sweats. You feel like you're gonna black out a little bit, but you don't. And then you're like, oh boy. Yeah, down for the count. Uh, Hey, so we greatly appreciate everybody listening to this episode. This was an awesome one. And by the way, this is episode 49. We're one away from the 50 mark. I know. We're so close to a year of episodes if it was still based on the weekly schedule. Right. Um, We just love all of you. Like, you don't understand. Like, I've gotten to know you, your families, your children, your pets. Your grandparents, your third your cousins, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> and I love literally every single person that's in our group. Yeah, it's fantastic. Everybody's awesome. It's like a family. I don't know where I didn't know why you were going this way, and I'm not sure what influenced you leading, going this way. It's but. leading into an, a plug. Uh, we're a family, and here when you when you when you meet us and hang out with us, you realize. We're, big, we're part of a big old family. That's why you need to visit facebook.com forward slash the hot ticket cigar faction. Yeah. Join the group. Join the Join the, join join the, the revolution. revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I like how like, it just like started to get real <laughs> chill, like way too chill. <laughs> That was awesome. Um, yeah, so join the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction Facebook group. Uh, Chris is right. Is 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 dumb humorous as what he just said was. It's it's actually really true. I blocked that. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> we really enjoy everybody in the group. It's really awesome, and I think the people who are in it enjoy it as well. So um, join the Facebook group. I uh, would love to have you. Chris, how can they get a hold of you in the world? Instagram's the easiest. It's a big six, Chris. 
Um, I post funny, f- funny videos of me and my dog and like a hula hoop. I take really inappropriate photos um, of some unsightly places of my body. Uh, <laughs> and here we thought he was going to try to entice people to message him and follow him. <laughs> yeah, but you could do that for sure. I think I'm up to like 10 followers now. <laughs> so popularity is growing. With, so, so I think my posts are headed in the right direction. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I'm at the Hot Ticket Pod. Guys, feel free to message me anytime. I got a whole bunch of messages yesterday, which was really weird. Um, but I got a chance to help two people out, which is really cool, which I love doing. So any questions you have about the industry as a whole, anything related to cigars, um, I, I always get questions for what would you recommend for beginners. And then I go down my interrogation process because it's not just easy naming, you know, four or five cigars. But, um, you know, hit us up at any time. We love the interaction. Um, in addition to that, please Please, for the love of all things holy, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That's yeah. a huge, huge help. And get this. Corey forgot it, but I didn't forget it. That's cool because he's going to be like, oh, shit, yeah. Hot Ticket Podcast on Instagram has reached 4,000 followers. We reached 4,000 followers very organically, do, may I add. Yeah. So it's um, it's growing the way that we intended, which is really, really cool. It exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I could make you proud. I'm a pretty conservy gurvy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, yeah, we finally have 4,000 followers, which, you know, if you're fucking Kanye West, that ain't no big deal. Um, but in the cigar industry, it's a big deal for us. I, I haven't been on Instagram that long, just in the past couple of years, and really have only started doing a lot of stuff with the podcast here over the yeah. recent year. So um, Within one year, that's pretty good growth. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and, I'm excited about and it. And the engagement is unreal. I think when you do, like, very true to yourself type of self-branding on social media and you just don't follow everybody right to get fo- follow back yeah like follow the, for follow like you'll end up you'll end up getting the right type of audience honestly through organic yeah just interactions that's exactly what we want because our engagement on the hot ticket podcast instagram is loony yeah it's, it's yeah, it is it's tough <laughs> it's loony. a lot of times tough to keep up with speaking of um you know this episode it's going to be released far um, not far into the future, but in the future of which we're recording it right now. But if you haven't been to my Instagram, and I'm saying this in the present tense, if you haven't uh-huh. been, but present future tense. Oh, God. So if you haven't seen my Instagram, you haven't been to my what Instagram time? in a few days. What time are we in right now? <laughs> Where are we? If you haven't been to the page, please check out the video of the girl who decides to inhale a cigar at the head end. Fucking hilarious. One of the most brilliant, retarded things I've ever seen in my Corey. life. You posted that in 1969. Did I? Yes. <gasps> Holy shit. Crazy. The time loop. <laughs> Again, we thank everybody for listening. We will be back at you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye.